Oh boy. How do we start this one? Out of beta, episode 88, season 3. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's been a long time. It has. It has. And we were just chatting for a very long time uh, pre record button because we haven't seen each other really in a long time either no you've been doing some cool off <laughs> off the grid stuff right <laughs> literally off the grid several times during austin's winter storm apocalypse yeah man i mean this is going to be a long podcast let's uh let's just start by acknowledging that there's a lot a lot of mm-hmm. stuff we need to talk about there's a lot of stuff. Summit is a team now. Wasn't a team the last time we recorded. <laughs> like it's a. T- <laughs> I mean, let's do, yeah. We're um, we hit somebody skipped a bunch of chapters on the DVD. I think people don't use DVDs anymore. Skipped a bunch of chapters in the thing, and then somebody else grabbed the remote and said, "Play." <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna summarize what happened in between. Uh, yeah, I th- I mean I I think <laughs> I I I I want to explain. Um, at least on my part, like why it's been difficult to record. Um, yeah, that sounds like a good. Why you know we do the maker manager thing. We should have a why it's been difficult to record. Katan. <laughs> yeah, you go first, and then I'll go because they're different <laughs> reasons, but they were both valid. Yeah. They're both valid, and they have at the same time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I can go first. Um. As I said, I got a lot of stuff. Um. I I was saying this on Twitter as well. And people are like, yeah, man, you got to make up for all the, the missing Peter and Matt <laughs> in my ears time. People yeah. are weird, man. Why, why do you even want to listen to this? Honestly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it does beg the question, but yeah, I think, I think we have a, we have a base that enjoys chatting to us and are with do. us uh, online and listening. And hopefully we can, all meet together sometime soon but until then when you cut off the audio recordings every week you kind of cut the lifeline yeah i mean people have been sending me emails and we're like are you what, what's going on hope all hope all is well yeah yeah and well uh, it, I'll it is and it is first <laughs> yeah i was gonna <laughs> well, say that, <laughs> like the, the tried answer is like it is but during the last however long is it it's not really it's, <laughs> it's not been weird <laughs> Yeah, so we're 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 teasing. Um yeah, I mean, I don't even know how to start my update, but um um where have you been? I've just been at home, man. <laughs> have you noticed? <laughs> Why can't you record a podcast when you're just sitting at home? Cuz sometimes like stuff happens that you can't talk about. Um, okay, and there's still there's still stuff I can't talk about, but the short, very short TLDR is, um, I'm putting the brakes on branch a bit, um, and I'm no longer working on it full time. Um, that's the the really short story. Uh, Bjorn is no longer working on branch. We're still working together on uh, something else, <laughs> but I'm not working full time on branch anymore. Um, I have no plans to pull the plug or anything like that. I think it's uh, going forward. It's going to be more like a WP pusher kind of thing that kind of, you know, it, it, it gets my attention when it needs to. Um, but 
um i i'm not as i said working on it full time anymore um, are, you, are you working for someone else what are you working on <laughs> i am not um, okay yeah so i mean that's that's the first part of the update and i mean people who follow the podcast um know like that it's been it's been difficult to really get it off the ground at least in a in the way that i wanted it to um it's i mean it's just not lived up to my expectations or it hasn't uh, worked out in the way that i wanted it to um mm. and i mm-hmm. i had i've probably worked on it for longer than i should um at least it's not been you know delivering the results that i would have expected at this point um i think i mean i think that there are many reasons for this that we can we can unpack some of them today i think it's probably something we'll talk about many times in future episodes as well so we can like keep (laughs) poking to it um yeah but those expectations were that were pretty clear and i maybe maybe just to restate them i understood that you really are looking for a certain i want to say results but a certain trajectory growth results uh reward for what's in what's being invested in terms of your time energy and money and, and bjorn's and investors uh cash indirectly but um is it safe to say that yeah it just didn't fit that it just didn't fit that shape in terms of what it what it it is yeah um, yeah yeah i mean i think there there are definitely like ways that for some people it could be a successful little thing that they could you know run or run on the side or do something different with um but i think i mean i I've been thinking a lot about this business for the past two years, mm-hmm. like a lot. So I obviously still have many ideas and like things that I'm curious about, like what if I did this or what I did this, did this. But like when I review those, like I don't think that any uh, one of those or, you know, combination of those would like fundamentally change how the business is working right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I... I'm I'm taking this from our friend Derek um that I'm I want to hedge my opportunity bets and that's something Derek has said of Art of Product um when he stopped working on Static Kit um that he basically allowed himself to work on a new idea um and you know focus less on Static Kit I think I'm doing this a bit more <laughs> than Derek probably did uh, at the time, at least when he talked about it. I don't know. Maybe he was just being stealth. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of okay. kind of what, like the, the, the short version, I guess, is. Yeah. My, my TLDR at this, you know, using some of the lingo that we've used in the past, it just sort of came to me as you were talking is you found some product user fit. I think you had some individually yeah. happy users. Yeah. It was transitioning from user to market. Yeah. It wasn't repeatable. (laughs) Right, right. That's exactly, that's another way to say that is, you know, there are these five 
or whatever the number was, it doesn't matter now, but yeah, yeah. there was this number turning, adding zeros to that requires some kind of broader market wide yeah. developments, I mean, success. It, it, it's like when Paul Graham says, like, do things that don't scale. The reason mm-hmm. you're doing that is to start a flywheel to some extent. Mm. And if you are doing things that don't scale, but they just never scale or never like you never start the flywheel. It's like you don't you shouldn't do that forever. <laughs> like that's that's not what he's saying, right? He's saying in the beginning, do things that don't scale to start it, start the trend or start the things off, right? Yeah. Yeah, I always think that do things that don't scale, people leave off the the important bit, which is what you said. You do things that don't scale in order to <laughs> jumpstart things that do. Um, yeah, it's like do things that don't scale is also like maybe a way to say like keep, like take you do experiments, keep some of the variables constant and just focus on the most important things that you want to test right now. It's like, you you're brute forcing parts of the equation in the sense it's like you want to test if people will like the product but you don't have any like acquisition channels or distribution so you you brute force that essentially and then you yeah you don't you don't look at the results of that part of it you look at the results of like are people actually engaging with the product are they enjoying the product stuff like that i think yeah yeah in my opinion yeah and i tweet (laughs) i just did a quick twitter search i'd set this on is it August? Back in August of yeah, August twenty six. You do things that don't scale in order to produce evidence that they are worth scaling. Yeah. So because <laughs> otherwise it's just like okay, you're on a treadmill. You're just yeah. gonna run on that treadmill forever. No. Yeah. So how it's do you get consulting. off? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So you do it because you want to know if it's worth scaling. You're doing a test, um, but ultimately you need to hand it over. I think the challenge that I saw I had a front row seat to with Branch was. Yeah, I'm sure with enough elbow grease effort and, and whatnot, you could create yet another happy branch user. But figuring out how to create a hundred in a month was going to require some kind of, like I said, market distribution moment, some th- repeatable thing, right? You said yeah. repeatable and um, just isn't there, at least as I've far been pretty, as you can tell. I've been pretty transparent here, like at least in parts and one of the things i've been saying is like the going after the wp engine niche was sort of our last ditch effort it's like if if because like when i was thinking okay what are what's the next move after coming to this conclusion it's like one of my one of the things that i explored is like could i pivot to some other market or something like that and I, I could see a way that branch could work for Shopify developers, for example. I, I, I see that there's a lot of pain uh, around deployment for Shopify as well. But mm. the, the thing is, it's like I have a really strong network in the WordPress space. I've had beers <laughs> with a lot <laughs> of people in the WordPress space. Yeah. Um, and, you know... <laughs> I've run WP Pusher for years, so I really understand the needs that people have for a product like this. And it's like, even with that obviously like unfair advantage that I have, I couldn't make it work. So mm-hmm. if I move to Shopify, for example, like I don't know anyone who's doing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to I mean, some what... extent, like that could be an advantage, like in some weird sense, but 
I just don't believe that. I mean, the peace of mind that I would extract from that, and I'm speaking for myself, would be it's not like you it's not like you were fumbling around in total darkness and just didn't find the door three inches away. You know, we've talked about about being in the darkness for a while, but you how much you know the space. Yeah. Um, it it's not as if it was some obvious thing to somebody else. It's not gonna be obvious to anybody. And you know, it's 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 very unlikely that it is and i also think about it a market like that my reason for investing in branch was really investing in you period full stop but the other reason i mentioned was oh wordpress is a gigantic market i think what i've realized about it is yeah the tam is huge but it feels a little bit more like some kind of bog than a you know a green field right it's just it's kind of a swamp of a market, it seems like, with some giant players, but not really a great place to get a foothold or to... Yeah, it's I like, don't what's know. the market of people using Microsoft Word? Right, is that a market? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and, and that it's might so be the big, thing. Like, it's, it's so it's like big, it's meaningless almost. Two-thirds of, or a third of all websites are like running on WordPress, so it's like, um, yeah. like my target audience is like, people using mac os it's like too broad <laughs> yeah and then and actually i have a question for you you ended up narrowing down to agencies yeah i mean we were uh, already like you... narrowed down to developers right so it's still, yeah. it's still a smaller part of the market did you feel i'm curious about this because in the last couple of weeks i thought as we as we hadn't been meeting i'm like oh yeah i wonder what peter would think like agencies was that clearly that was the best thing you could decide to focus on with the information that you had but looking back any did you feel completely comfortable selling to them do you feel like that is the right place but i just it's just not it's not salient for those people like any thoughts on like the sub segment of the market that you chose to focus on yeah i mean it's there's a big overlap to the people that are buying WP Pusher. And generally, I've really enjoyed that market. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just hard. Like it's it's very um it's it's a market that's very focused on margins. Like they have pretty thin margins. Um and it just right. needs to work out for them. And I'm selling something that's not a profit center like a cost center it's like deployment it's like something we gotta have but mm-hmm. you know i'm telling them they they need to have it but they already have deployment they just like they just do it in a different way right um mm-hmm. and i mean for some reason it's just been less of a priority than i thought it would be for them i i but, i did think about that too as i went down that path is it possible that when you're selling to whether it's lawyers or uh, a medical practice or agencies or or something where they themselves do not have a super scalable business model, that it's just a tougher sale because yeah, what's I the think... upside? It's sort of like if you sell software to Summit, even me, yeah. you know, I'm not doing that much. I'm doing a lot less revenue than an agency, but I'll buy software that's more expensive than Branch. Why? Because I'm sitting there going, I'm trying to build a yeah 100 million dollar business right so of course i'm going to spend 250 dollars on this piece of software whereas if you're running a million dollar agency at peak or half a million dollar agency 
what I don't know what they are. I don't want to understate it, but you have reached some kind of, there is a top, there's a glass, there's a ceiling, not a glass. Yeah. <laughs> there's a ceiling on your scale and performance and everything else. And does that. Yeah. Play I mean, I think honestly, like, I think also just SAS is like a, is it's a tough business model. Um, mm. I, I mean, I know that with WP Pusher, like a lot of the people that buy it don't end up actually using it and then they don't renew the next year. But at least they paid me for a year because that's how it's built. Because um, mm-hmm. hmm. it's like a gym membership in many ways, right? It's like if I told you there was a way like you spend like, you know, half an hour, four times a week and you're like looking great and, you know, you're going to be healthy and all this stuff. Would you buy it for whatever, like $50? It's like, uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> so it's called a gym, right? But, and this is yeah. the same thing. It's like, if I told you that there was a way that like all your deployments would be automated, like you would have your code tested, like there's all this stuff. Um, would you buy it? And then everyone says yes, but in, yeah. like they still have to do something and they still have to use it. <laughs> right. A membership is not the result. Yeah. So, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's that's okay. a big part of it. Okay. Anything else you want to say about? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense to like. Just, I think we're gonna unpack these more like in depth later on. But yeah, I just, yep. I just want to say that it's like first of all, I don't think. I mean, I said earlier that I worked on it for longer than I should. I think that's probably true like in hindsight, but it's not been obvious because these these things are really difficult to to figure out like once you get some sort of traction, like it's hard to to quantify, I guess. Um and I think mm-hmm. I've been thankfully like since I started this thing, I have been writing writing down like this, these are my goals. If I don't hit them, like I, I need to look very real. Like I need to be very honest with myself on like, like why I didn't hit them. And that's happened like one or two times at least where I like considered putting the brakes on like I did now, but where I've see, seen some sort of opportunity that's convinced me that I should keep going a bit more because starting over is really hard. And like, I have a brand with branch like people know about hmm. branch in the wordpress space mm-hmm. a lot like a lot of people know about it they yeah just don't use it <laughs> it's like um so yeah. and i and i think like it's just i mean there's mm-hmm. a lot there are a lot of similarities when with what derek experienced with level i think um and i mean i knew about the mom test when i did this thing and customer development and this stuff so i mean it, it could have gone worse <laughs> i guess but it's like i did pre-sales you know people were excited about this before i even built it like hundreds of people signed up like filled out a fairly long survey they tweeted mm. about it like thousands and thousands of impressions on my like i'm gonna build this tweet and mm-hmm. from day one almost like i've had acquisition interest interest from like large companies that could be really cool like if they've worked out like different like several companies and Mm -hmm. like all like throughout this whole thing like i've had a lot of partnership interests like they're sending me emails like how do we get our logo on your website and i think they think that 
you know, they have ambitions for like an integration with branch and they actually believe that their customers will find it valuable. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just because they want their logo on there. Like it's actually because they, they believe it's an important problem that we, we solve. Um, you know, I've, I have like, you know, great investors and I've had, you know, interest from all, like cool and investors as well, like that aren't investors and in, in my company now, and just in general, like you know, there's been traction all the time, like more or less, like. But it's yeah. just it's. I think it's easy to like when you when you start a thing like this and you write down like what are my goals, like you think that it's going to be black and white. It's like it's mm -hmm. going to be either this or that <laughs> and then i'll make my decision like i'll review it based on that but it's not going to be like that <laughs> especially yeah. if you're like me like you you're like talking and you're good at selling and you know people generally like like hearing what you're talking about and i mean it's it's just really easy for me to get people excited about something including myself yeah um, i mean the thing is the product is a a ten, I think the product is easily a 10x improvement over the status quo or the, what's what people typically use. Yeah. And so in isolation, sort of in the context of just the product for the product's sake, you know, head to head versus what people <laughs> normally do, it's a winner. The cruel thing is, why is that not enough? Yeah. You know, it, it, and so I think most people don't realize that that's not enough. And they will get very excited over that that thing, and they, you know they see it. They're like, "Oh my gosh, that's a that's a freaking plasma rifle. That's amazing." And what they don't realize is, yes, but in this particular case, even this isn't maybe enough to sweep the market to 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 become a um, a fast growing popular tool. Strangely yeah. enough. For whatever reason, but like if you look at it by itself as a standalone thing, I mean the technology is amazing, um, but it, it's and, and so I think a lot of maybe maybe what I'm saying is a lot of people will provide that really um, encouraging feedback, that enthusiasm early on because they see this object, right, this technology, sort of in isolation and. Anybody can look at that and go, that's an advancement. That's progress. That's that's technological advancement. And clearly that's worth something. I who wouldn't use <laughs> something that's 10 times better than what's already out there? And then that 10 that thing hits the market. And uh it doesn't have to really do with the fact that the product is not valuable. It has to do with everything else that you ran up against which I think nobody really understands completely. Yeah. And I mean, there are many ways that it, it might actually not be 10 times better. Like mm -hmm. it's not 10 times better that I have to like talk to my boss if we can buy it or like, it's not 10, 10 times better that I like have to change the way I work or like, they, there's just like ways that detract from that or things that detract from that. Yep. So here's your switching you know the switching true cost. switching cost analysis the jobs to be done analysis about yeah. you know anxieties and habits and if you 
Well, we promised that we didn't shy away from this being a long episode. If I think about push-pull habits and anxieties with Branch, yeah, I would say that the pull, you, I think you did as much as you could to pull people towards the promise of a better tomorrow, a better right. way of doing things. And as founders, a lot of times that's it's the easiest thing to do is like, look, this is the better way. The push wasn't as strong because you needed to find people who were like really dissatisfied with their current way of doing things. Perhaps. Yeah, it's like it's like boiling frock almost, and and it's only a strong push when it's like when something breaks, maybe. But then when it breaks, it's like it's actually not a strong push because you just want to fix it quickly, like, and you're not gonna like start using a new tool just because your old thing broke, like. But right. I mean, it's gonna make you more long term more interested in finding a better solution. But like, there's not that like uh, okay, like there's not the p- kind of push where it's like I'm using this product you know slack acquired it and shot it down so mm, i mm-hmm. i i either i'm not going to do this anymore or i'm going to find another solution like that's a strong push strong and then market if someone push. builds something with a strong pull it's like okay <laughs> you combine this you're right so you combine screen hero's death with tuples yeah. appearance yeah and you get this magical uh moment and you didn't have the push and you know what I, this is not actually uncommon even if i think about something like stripe credit card processing right People who are using Stripe have it installed and it's running. What's the push that's going to get me to switch from Stripe to something else? It's almost non-existent. Once you have it up and running, it's almost non-existent. And so if you have a product that's competing with Stripe, it's extremely hard to displace them because you can create a ton of... The amount of pull you have to create in the absence of push is... It's almost impossible. And so the only way you can win in those situations is what is Stripe doing? Stripe is going earlier and earlier in the genesis of a company i was just about to say like you you want to build something that people want to use for their next startup (laughs) yep that's you have to you're doing enough marketing that you're lodging yourself in their brain to say the next time i start a company i'm going to use stripe instead of braintree instead of whatever this is i'm using or if you're stripe and you've got gazillions of dollars you say we're going to build this thing called atlas and when somebody starts a new company we're going to hand them a merchant account on stripe and a bank account and you know, as a as branch, you'd almost have to say when somebody starts an agency, they start using yeah. branch immediately. Good good luck. Like that sounds very difficult and expensive and yeah. slow in a way. That's the long game. So so that's push pull on the anxieties and habits side. Yeah, it's a ton it, of stuff. It, as well. It's a lot of drag. So you've got the habits of using my current Rube Goldberg contraption, which even though it sucks, I know I have to hop twice click three times, right-click, then do this, then do that. So it's a deeply ingrained habit. So you have new habits, which you have to unlearn and and learn the new and better way. And then anxiety is right. It's like, oh, I have to ask my boss to spend more money. I have to learn a new thing. What if it doesn't work? What if it breaks production? What if I take down a wet? So you actually had, I would say, if you kind of look at that, you've got kind of a null case on the push for the most part, maybe like a half a point. You've got incredible pull or a pull because you're doing all you can, you and Bjorn, to yeah. create this amazing thing. But then you've got a negative, some yeah. big negative numbers on the anxieties and habits side. And if you net all that together, you just don't have a product market. Yeah, like the pull could fit. be a 10x improvement over their current workflow, but it's like... It's a lot of drag to overcome. Yeah. <laughs> a lot it's of like... drag, a lot of inertia. 
like I know that there are cars that are ten times better than the car I have now, but mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> there's That's a reason not... I haven't bought one of them. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of reasons, and even if I came along, you know, and said, "Here's a better car seat," you're like, "This one's installed properly. I know it's safe. It's the one that you know." Uh, Maya's family bought for us, whatever it is. You got a long list. Like, I don't want to install the new one. I don't want to be responsible for installing the new one. I mean, what is 10X better? But yeah, in, in Branch's case, I think you just got to look, if you look at those four boxes, um, if you, for you to really succeed, you would have need to have some, I think you would have needed to have a better answer to the anxieties and habits piece. Maybe especially the anxieties piece of how many times did you try to sell somebody and it like went up to a boss conversation over spending $49, $200 a month on a tool that's delivering this pull, this, this promise of like dramatic improvements. Um, but that, that wasn't the amount of um, risk that, that was seen and perceived and the social dynamics and all of that. Again, this isn't coming. This is not about the product. It's about the switch from, old way to new way and branch i guess i guess you would say net net branch was still in the negative column for most yeah. people for most people for too many people to build I mean, a business quickly I, I don't want to say that this is not my responsibility because i mean it could have been a different result if it had been a different founder um but i mean i am me <laughs> it is me <laughs> I, I i mean it, that's just me, the reality <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah so i wasn't able to pull it off um and then i i gotta explore something else um and amongst my little group of advisors uh, people had been you know planting the seed of like maybe you need to allow yourself to like consider other ideas that are non-branch ideas uh, for mm-hmm. the past few months. Been sort of ignoring it because I knew that as soon as I did that, I I, I would actually do it um, because that's typically how my brain works. Um, but something happened in early January that I, I, I don't want to talk about on the podcast now, but something happened in the market Um that might be easier to talk about in six months or a year or something like that. And then uh, maybe I can tell the full story. Um, But right now, um, all I can say is something happened that, that negatively impacted um, the story I was telling about branch. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that happened at the time where I was like, okay, we're, this is sort of like the, the final, you know, test or whatever, like face <laughs> sort of like our final quarter of like trying to make it work. Um, mm-hmm. And I decided, okay, it's not worth spending the rest of the quarter when this is how I feel about things. Um, so talk to my investors, advisors, friends. Um, there's some overlap there as well um, in that Venn diagram. But overall, Everyone was very supportive, which I'm very thankful for. Um, you know, we raised money in November. Yeah, not a lot of money, but some money, and it's like you—it's pretty fresh. 
Yeah, you're like you call the person up in January, like yeah. So you know, do you remember <laughs> Branch that you invested like two months ago? <laughs> yeah, so we're not gonna keep working on that full time. Uh, we're gonna maybe try something else. Yeah. Do you want your money back, or are you like in for another ride? <laughs> um, and it's not as and- easy as like just giving people their money back, but that's the, at least the sentiment. <laughs> yeah, of um, course. And you, no one wanted their money back. Yeah, it turned out they were good good seed stage investors or even pre-seed investors, and they invested in you, not the, yeah. the business. No one tried to convince me to keep working on Branch. Um, they asked smart questions, and they... Yeah, but ultimately, like everyone said, we invested in you, Peter. We, we want to support you if you think this, uh, this is not the thing like this is not going to be the thing then we want to we want to see what the what the next thing is one investor even said it's like it's like christmas eve i'm just waiting for like an email from you telling me about the new idea and yeah yeah there's an ex- exactly i i, I felt so the you same get another bed or yeah there's a certain level of excitement of um okay yeah branch was this thing it's this grind. It's actually not really what anybody wants. Okay, great. <laughs> Moving on. Like what what you want, what you're hoping for is that you know you invest in a founder and they discover something that just takes off. I mean, to be who doesn't want their that's what every investor wishes for. They want to stake in the next you know Zapier, Tuple, pick your company, right? They they're that's you're really excited about and so you're like okay if this thing is a grind and there's not like this obvious inflection point coming then it's worth seeing while there's still time if there's a a better thing in your head <laughs> uh, yeah that we can work on and maybe that there gonna... is still time <laughs> yeah exactly um, so yep that like that's awesome but it's also sort of weird because it's like you get to start another company without raising money. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like <laughs> almost like another tiny seed uh, mm-hmm. with our finances or not completely, but sort of mm-hmm. um, or with my finances. Cause it's, it's yeah, it's mostly me right now. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I'm still working with Bjorn on some stuff, uh, some ideas. Um, But it's like, in a sense, it's also like, you're like known to be a funny guy and you're at a dinner table and some like you're in the middle of a conversation with someone and someone just interrupts and be like say something funny (laughs) (laughs) have to come up with something funny on the spot it's like i don't enjoy this face to be honest (laughs) yeah yeah i want to like i can't wait until we've like fully like settled on an idea and like are running with it for at least a while um Mm -hmm. Which is also dangerous because you don't want to just keep running. Uh, you want to not repeat the same mistakes. <laughs> yeah. So, and I want to talk about that maybe next time. But like, I've been doing a lot of research uh, from like all the entrepreneur, entreporn <laughs> I've mm-hmm. consumed in the past years. Um, <laughs> read a ton about jobs to be done. Listened to a ton of podcast talks. A lot of Jason Cohen stuff, um, a lot, <laughs> even a lot of Paul Graham stuff. Um, it's fun mm-hmm. to like hold those two next to each other and like kind of see 
I think the, if you can find the overlap between what Paul Graham is saying and, and Jason Cohen is saying, is probably that starting yeah. to like be pretty true. <laughs> yeah, given given the point of view, like given, yeah, there's definitely they're different echo chambers, right? Yeah, um, if those echo to the extent those echo chambers overlap, and I mean sort of the the Silicon Valley one and the indie bootstrapper um, profitable business one. The, the intersection of those two is that's actually I love I love finding that it is there I think it's easy to imagine that it's not but um, no I think yeah they, I think they do have like the deep principles and then understand the differences like they both want you to pick a big market mm-hmm. and and start with like a niche in that market mm. but mm-hmm. the reason Jason Cohen wants you to do that is because if that niche doesn't work out, he wants to be easy to like find another niche and go after. Even if you don't want to be a billion company dollar company, but for Paul Graham, it's obviously more about the TAM, like the future TAM of, of that market. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. Which is interesting. So, so you kind of have come away with, or you're, you've been researching what's the thing that's going to fit the shape that yeah. I'm looking, you know, looking to fill. Yeah, and I've come to one com- conclusion. I don't think I'm going to find something that takes all the boxes. I think you will only know in retrospect. And I think so I was re-listening. So, okay, so the Starting Greatness podcast with Mike Mables Jr., which is yeah. well, like one of my favorite podcasts. Mm-hmm. They're doing a new season. It's awesome. And but I'm downloading the entire season 1 just to re-listen to it and I listened to Stephen Blank so far and Andy Ratcliffe. Oh man. Uh so good. Like they I just I took so many notes to the Andy Ratcliffe one, the guy who basically invent, invented product market fit, but he talks about something that Howard Marks talks about with investment, um, but he talks about it for startups, the thing about like in order to be successful you need to be right and non-consensus. Because if you if you're right, but your consensus is like it does like you're not, there's not a lot of value you can grab because if if it's consensus by definition, like someone else has realized it as well. Um, but when you like, so you need to be right and non-consensus, um, and you only know one of them, like from the like you know from the beginning if you're non-consensus. You don't know if you're right, of course, <laughs> but at least mm-hmm. you can know that you're you're non-consensus. But that also means that like everyone like on on the surface, it'll seem like a bad idea, probably to a lot of people. Um, but you need like a little tribe of people that are in on the secret, right? Um, so but but then it's it doesn't necessarily look like a big market and it it looks, yeah, so it's just it's not easy to just find something that takes all the boxes. Right. Um, so I'm definitely, I mean, I'm definitely trying. Um, I talked a lot to you and Derek. Uh, you guys have been really helpful. I've talked a lot to Rob Walling, um, to Soren, my other investor. Uh, basically, like calling people up every week and like with like a completely new idea. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. <laughs> to them it's, it's like whoa overnight like a new idea but like to me it's like i was thinking about it like for 24 hours for seven days and, um, yeah you're like a lot yeah. went into this <laughs> we have an idea now and i've been all over the map and this was one of the first ideas but then for like a week or two i didn't think it was a good idea 
and then <laughs> you know keep like evaluating other ideas and stuff i realize this actually might be a pretty good idea um but mm -hmm. so so we're we're thinking in terms of experiments and we're gonna basically run with this idea for at least uh a bit um enough to like learn basically if it's if it has legs or not um so i guess that brings us to today yeah that's <laughs> right the start of season two or three or whatever you want to call it three 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 <laughs> it's definitely three um, um and it only took 40 minutes great we, we're all we're all you'd say we're all caught up with the adventure. I think so. I mean, I mean, I I'm not gonna say what the new idea is uh, yet because um, I want to have a website for it <laughs> before I do, mm -hmm. um, and we don't. But we will this week. So hopefully, maybe I maybe I can say something next week. Um, okay. Maybe I can tease it enough that if people guess what it is, it's it's fine. Like they could still put in their emails. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> cool man uh, yeah I, I won't say it yet but it's a it's a big market <laughs> yeah, i'm 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 excited to hear more i'm intrigued i may know more already but i'm not spilling <laughs> spill the beans so uh, cool yeah so that's me and let's get back on a weekly schedule so <laughs> we don't have to do this every time i know right um we will do that we will yeah, yeah. so we mentioned the Texas Snowvid situation and uh, <sighs> Summit team team yeah building or <laughs> yeah and I finished the move to the new house which you was did. a giant month long ordeal and the storm so that we also couldn't talk about the podcast yeah and the the storm happened uh, right in the middle of it which made it ex I mean it made it impossible to drive anywhere which meant that we were um at the new place uh it was so funny it's like it occurred to us that wait we haven't actually moved our like all of our pantry and refrigerator items over to the new house yet um and it's freezing rain in like four hours which means we won't be able to drive anywhere for a week so that's a problem <laughs> so i mean it was literally just scrambling to figure out okay we have a family of six that's three meals a day for a family of six for a week. That's a lot of it's a lot of separate entrees. It's a lot of rice and beans. That's a lot of something exactly. So so just crazy. You know, and then losing power for twelve hours on the coldest night. One of the coldest nights I've experienced. I mean, I lived in Chicago for six years, but the thing that people don't understand is that, and I didn't even living up north for a while. Down here, the houses aren't built for this kind of cold, so it means that our pipes aren't winterized our houses aren't winterized we don't have basements we don't drain our irrigation systems or our pools you know come november or whatever to prepare for the extreme cold so we're just, just every and we don't have snow plows we don't have salt um so very exposed and there was a lot of i mean i dealt with we dealt with serious inconveniences and it was like camping in our own house and just challenges with school and work and everything else there's a lot of people in Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, and elsewhere that truly suffered a lot due to this and experienced serious damages to their homes and their work and um, 
so in some cases their lives. I mean, there was this uh, one of the things that happened during it that just just disturbed me for like I mean all day and the next day I couldn't couldn't get out of my head. But there was a giant uh, multi car pileup in Texas that some folks may have heard of, but over a hundred cars involved in this terrible terrible accident in the Dallas area. And there's semi trucks on ice that couldn't stop. So it was just like this bizarre crisis on top of COVID, on top of, for me personally, moving, which is not a crisis, but it was a lot of logistics. So, uh, yeah, man, this, the, the podcast just got like eighth rung on the ladder of things I was going to get to. <laughs> I just never got to. It's like every, every, Tuesday, I'm like, nope, it's not going to happen, man. Every Monday, it's not going to happen. So, and on normal, under normal circumstances, like I would have found a solution. Like I would just record a solo episode or like, mm-hmm. you know, run an old episode or bring someone on or something like that. But like at the same time, I'm like, there's all this stuff going on that I can't really talk about. And yeah. Okay. <laughs> no one is, no one is going to get this done right now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We're just going to have to press pause. So that was my sort of personal professional life um, for a while. And yeah, I I did work a couple days. Like I probably worked a total of eight hours that week, um, which is the week before last. And then last week I worked a little bit more. The storm was gone, but we were sort of in recovery mode. Everybody in Texas and whatnot was in recovery mode. And I did onboard Ryan. So I hired Ryan to be COO. Yeah, he started. He awesome. started the wet. Congrats. Yeah, he started Wednesday of Storm Week, and <laughs> fortunately, Where's because Ryan located, he's located in Austin as well. Okay, so he had. So you also water. had a good excuse. Yeah, well, he woke up. He got awakened one morning to somebody, his neighbor, knocking at his door, saying, "There's a fire in your backyard, an electrical fire. Some power lines had sparked and started a fire, and uh, the fire went out." And he calls the fire department, and they they tell him. We have so much to deal with right now. Unless there's an active fire, like unless your house is burning, we we're not going to come out until whenever. So he had like wow, <laughs> that's yeah. So a lot we of basic used to have this ske- We used to have this sketch show on the radio in Denmark of with this guy who every morning calls in sick with like these insane like reasons why he's sick, <laughs> and why he that can't w- come in. Yeah, <laughs> that was our bizarre first few days of hey, welcome, welcome to the team. And uh, have any fires to deal with, literally. Have any leaks, literally. Um, so we were just both hoping that our homes were not going to have major water leaks or damage or <laughs> fires or heat or internet or water. Or, I mean, power for the first uh, first week of him being with the team. Um, we did manage to sync on our five goals for the week last week. And both uh, got... They were- where were the, those goals in uh, Maslow's apartment? <laughs> I know, right? It's like, well, the, the week before Shelter. Was storm week, we didn't even have, yeah, the, exactly. The week before that, when he, so we hired, he joined the team on Wednesday. Um, the goals were literally try to, the first week he was here, actually, so that was storm week. I handed my goals for the week with him were get him admin access and create a user account for him on every single SaaS product and bank product that we use an accounting product so that he can do his job properly so it was kind of nice because we ended up saying here's a giant laundry list of all the of all the tools 
he's taking over finance um, as a function at the company, but also management of bills and SaaS vendors and team user access and all of that. So it was like <laughs> intercom, plaid, uh, you know, um, I mean, I'm blank course now on the spot. Mercury Bank, um, Aslo are shutting down that account because Aslo is shutting down. So we ended up giving, I ended up giving him logins to like 15 different services that we use. And that felt good because like, okay, the giant key ring is his. He can do stuff now. And then last week, Storm was gone, had internet. I was still in the process of move, doing all the last moving steps that were supposed to happen during Storm Week. But I was able to chat with him you know, with the AirPods in while I was doing some logistical stuff and talk him through the onboarding of customers, triaging intercom tickets, um, all of these uh, usage of those systems now and say, okay, that was the first usage. And there's one tool I'll give a shout out to, which is Arrows. Arrows I discovered during the week before the storm. And then I introduced Ryan to it. Have you heard of Arrows or tried it out? at all i think i've seen the founder on twitter okay yeah uh daniel daniel um, right, is, yeah. is one of the founders and uh he's working um together with benedict fritz on arrows and it's just a really clever tool to say rather than trello or google spreadsheet can we create a really um customer facing onboarding roadmap that has just like a it's like it's almost i would say the closest thing is like a base camp project but really clean and really tightly focused on onboarding and automatically bringing in your customer without them having to have an account or log in so really really elegant execution of it but i ended up just before the storm hit i ended up dumping everything i knew about user onboarding client onboarding into an arrows template smart so I was able to hand that to Ryan and say, here's the onboarding template. He took that and last week, there was a bit of, there's definitely a breakthrough where he was trying to apply it to a customer. He said, hey, we got this new customer. They want to come on board Summit. I said, cool, look at Arrows and use that to, um, to onboard them. He tried to, he started using it and he got partway in, kind of hit this wall where we realized that he was doing he was working at a certain level, which was like bottoms up, you know, building these individual little events and building their model from scratch. This is almost like being a, sh- a cook and having this like custom order come in and having to build like, you got a blank plate and empty pots and you got to cook something for them. And it was pretty stressful because we we're like, how, how is this actually going to scale? How is this going to be repeatable at all, right? And about halfway through last week, sort of realized the way we should be doing this is we should be building a reusable model in Summit, having it have funnels, pipeline, acquisition channels, revenue plans, subscription bases, regular OPEX expenses, create them as plugins so that they're on-off switches for each of those little separate components. So if you don't have enterprise sales, take that out. If you don't have you know, this, take it out, right? Um, if you're not planning on raising money, take that out. And that really helped. It was a breakthrough because suddenly the job of onboarding goes from 
come into a blank slate and build these individual atoms in one at a time based on their business to, okay, here's the, here's the model. We're going to install the entire model. Now that's, that's 10 minutes, right? That's five minutes. Now we're going to work. If we're going to white glove this, we're going to work with you to add and subtract the major pieces that you're ready for or not ready for. And then we're going to adjust the values in the model to tailor, to be tailored to your business. And that was a huge breath of fresh air because now the problem becomes, oh, what I'm not, I'm not trying to do a custom order here, a custom thing. I'm also not trying to just, you know, order for the person looking at a menu. I'm building a menu. I'm building a reusable kitchen, if you will. And then to add another layer to it, I said, Ryan, I'm actually not wanting us to build an onboarding practice at Summit. What we're actually doing is we're building an onboarding practice that we can then share with partners who can onboard their customers because we are not building a CFO agency. We're not building a consulting service internally. I don't want an internal consulting service. (laughs) Yeah, because this is what I was going to ask is like, yeah. If because this sounds like a white glove concierge mm-hmm. kind of service compared to some of the some of the templates that I know you've added uh, right for different things, but like this is when you actually help people get onboarded. That's right. And so what we're <laughs> what we're really doing is he is he is the archetype for an ex uh, for a CFO or an analyst or service provider external to Summit. Having a client come to them and say, hey, which happens all the time, I want a budget, I want an operational model, I want a forecast. And they turn around and say, cool, you have a couple options. We can do this in G Sheets, we can do this in Excel, or we can do this in Summit. And we want to teach that person how to do this in Summit. So what Ryan's really doing is he's doing the first first iterations of this onboarding process, which we are then going to externalize. And the reason we're going to externalize it is that there's already hundreds or thousands of part-time CFOs who are doing this for their clients every day, day in and day out. Yeah. And we don't want to compete with them. We want to just give them an alternative to Google, to Google Sheets and Excel. And so now that we look at it that way, it goes, oh, wow, okay, I'm not even trying to build a really fast onboarding practice for 100 clients. I'm trying to document this white glove service so that we can present it to partners and they can take it over and then we just become the software of choice for that because you can do really cool stuff with our software and then ryan can manage those external relationships those partnerships from a business development standpoint and we'll continue to be a power user of the product but we don't want to internalize an onboarding function ultimately Um, we want to internalize it first and then externalize it as soon as possible so that was a really, you know, it took a couple conversations to realize what we were, what's the real problem we're solving here hmm. to go from that first level of, we want customer X to be happy to, we want to build a reusable template for customers X through X plus one to our real customer. Well, one of our other customers is the customer who's going to service these people. <laughs> yeah. And we actually, the real product here is how do you do this service for a client such as this and externalizing that? So, 
So he's working now with that framing in mind. And it's really changing the way he thinks about building out the tool because now we go, wait a minute, we want to build plugins and components for a model yeah. that then That's that really service provider can actually just, it's their job. We're, we're populating a kitchen with ingredients, right? We're, yeah. we're sort of the, we might be like the, uh, we're, we're helping Your people install kitchen. their kitchen. <laughs> we're, we're a kitchen, right? We're installing those. We're really providing them with the materials and the recipes for this, but we're neither the restaurant nor the chef. Your cloud kitchen. Cloud kitchen. <laughs> We've had so many metaphors for this, um, <laughs> as you can imagine, but I think it's- But it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. There's, uh, I, I mentioned Michael Seipel all the time, but he uh, he talks about like in Y Combinator, like they have a lot of people come in with, they, they want to build a better uh, car um, platform, like cars, classify its website mm -hmm. it's not exactly the same because that's a marketplace but it the reason they want to build like a better car website is because all of them sucks from the the buyer's perspective and then but then when you actually dive into it you realize that the customer of these like car dealer websites are actually the dealerships yeah because they're in the product all day and you want them to use your tool to sell cars to their customers That's right. So actually, the most of these platforms they don't care so much about the end user or the buyer. Like they care about the dealers. Mm, interesting, because so, they and they are also the people that are paying the 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 platform. So, but it's just interesting. So, like people think that they need to build a better website because they don't understand who the real customer is or the real user. Yeah, and I think we're gonna. So we're B 2 B, but we're also B 2 B 2 B in that sense and yeah we you know b2b means i'm helping this customer get an extract value that's my direct user and they're always going to be a direct user that's never going to go away but from a distribution standpoint from a scaling this going to a cfo that has 135 you know whatever odd customers that's like hey we're we can choose tools day in and day out to service these customers It's a little, and this is where I get a little worried because I'm like, oh, this sounds like an agency that has uh, projects and this is like branch branch redux. But I think, no, no I think the, maybe the way to think maybe about not. it is like the CFOs are the power users that maybe can accelerate this and help you better understand the, right. the needs or whatever, but you still want to build something for the end user. As well, well, they are, the, they are end users. That's the thing. So they yeah. are, Actually, if, if you think about this, they are the externalized end user of the product. They're, they're the cheaper version. There's also internal CFOs who are full-time working at the company. Yeah. I don't see those as actually very different. It's just that you can't afford usually a full-time CFO at first. Yeah. So you hire a part-timer. And they're We not wanna... even necessarily called a CFO. They could also just be a founder, but they're they're doing the job off a CFO. And it's awesome right. that Summit can help them do that. That's right. So I think we have the founder that's doing their job of finance. We have the part-time CFO that is hired outside of the company to do the finance function for the company. And then at maturity, we've got the internal CFO who's not the founder <laughs> who's doing the job for the company. The, the the nice thing is it's the same it's 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 one customer journey it's the journey of 
yeah. early early stage company that doesn't have anyone next stage company that has an external later stage company that has an internal but we have a product that's going to be used by the company yeah at every step of the way the end user the power user though is a different person at each stage yeah and that's also where it becomes a platform in a sense because the cfos in theory could like use summit as like a freemium play as well like offer free templates or models that sure. people could use and then offer to step in and and help do the work right that's right if you come in there as an early stage founder and you are running finance for your team and you see a plugin or or a template that you want to use and you start using it and you see that it was created by this certain you know um cfo uh shop or agency um fractional cfo firm yeah that's that's free marketing for them if they do work yeah. Uh, and it makes like sense you. why you would solve this for the founders first, because that's sort of when you are as well. And mm -hmm. that's where you saw the the problem initially. And yep. then, I mean, you've sort of solved that. And like now there's an opportunity to solve it better, but also like in a way that has some built-in uh, distribution channel as well. So that's it, right. it, it makes sense to why you're doing that. Yeah, and that's where the new version of the product comes in. So I'll just touch on it briefly. But um, so I also uh, Giles um, joined the team, and I mentioned did I did we actually mention this? Be yeah, yeah, in the last episode that we actually recorded together. Okay, cool. Because I remember to him. pronouncing his name. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So he is beginning to show um, like the alpha version of the new product, which is really going to serve those cfo users directly and it's going to allow them to create events that are much richer and pa more powerful than the ones that are you know cr um, that you can just create using the using the forms based version of the product and it's really exciting so we're, we're um one thing that i did last week as a major goal was have our first team meeting <laughs> between ryan giles and myself to talk about this project what are our goals for it what are our roles within it and how is that going? And so I will say I'm clearly project sponsor, if you will. I'm the one that's decided strategically it's worth doing. I'm the one that's going to continue to review sort of the trade-offs of time to market versus feature richness and what the market really needs. Ryan, though, being an Excel expert himself and lover and someone who's built financial models and managed them for a SaaS before, is an awesome internal user. So the UAT <laughs> is right there within this pod of, you know, I th I kind of think this is what it needs. Giles also agrees this is what it needs or has his own ideas, of course. We, I design it, Giles builds it, Ryan uses it, and then provides feedback. And we create this awesome flywheel, to abuse a term, internally where Ryan is the alpha, alpha user of it. And we don't even need to go to an external party to get that initial feedback from somebody who's not a developer, but is a financial, um, has done financial models quite a bit and does a lot with Excel. So in other words, if Ryan can use it and do amazing things with it, that's an awesome, that's sort of the, the litmus test we're looking for to release it to them, yeah. other alpha users. So I, so we kicked that off last week and that was really exciting. Um, I'm going to play a design role 
and project sponsor role and strategic kind of trade-offs role. Ryan will be kind of project management in terms of keeping us organized and using the product and providing feedback and asking us what our goals are each week. And then, of course, Giles is the builder, um, primary builder for it. So that exciting is time. extremely exciting because the the tool <laughs> that's coming to life is is just in, it's just incredible and i am very very you know it's it's big and i i don't think it will replace what's there yet i think what's there for now the forms based version might stay really popular for for newcomers but from a power user perspective almost like that superhuman emailer type what's what giles is building is going to be much faster much more powerful and you know we're talking about keyboard shortcuts and you know it's a canvas right it's a canvas that does what yeah you've been teasing stuff on twitter (laughs) like i'm seeing these graphs and stuff like that yeah is that that's output or is that input Ooh, that's input oh yeah yeah no no no. You, you you don't get to see your business as a graph as output that is your that those are your events that's actually what okay. summit is already it's just that we're visualizing the connections for you and yeah. we're showing you the structure the anatomy of your business on screen and you can edit those in line and connect those in line and copy and paste them and, and all of this so and each one of those little nodes contains the formulas or instructions that you want to run at each step of your business. Yeah. So that is the model. And then being able to click build, or maybe you don't even have to click build, but you know, it's it's like a um, continuous, you know, every time you edit, it runs. Yeah. Being able oh, to just fascinating. really quickly see output every time you make a change. That's yeah. what we're looking for is like that dopamine hit, that cycle of change this, change this formula, blur result right can we build a essentially an ide for financial models that is similar to writing code for a web app where you're getting instant feedback on unit tests instant feedback on is my code producing the result like a tailwind you know same thing tailwind brings to the front end can we bring that to a financial model yeah that's the dream that is fascinating i thought it was the output I think it's just visualizing what mm-hmm. you defined with code or something like that. That would be neat. This is mind-blowingly better because that you actually get to build graphs and then execute them. Yeah, I mean it's sort of like a like the workflow editor in Drip or something like that. Like that's a programming language in a sense as well mm-hmm. as like. I mean, yeah. it's different. <laughs> if you think about a spreadsheet. A spreadsheet is loaded with references. It's yeah. it's cell references. It's actually a graph, but it yeah. isn't visualized that way. So we're gonna we're gonna visualize it that way, and I believe that that clarity, the signal the signal to noise ratio, if you will, the clarity of seeing the bones of your business, is going. Have you to tried be using it yet? Like, have you tried? Have you tried it, or is it not in the state yet? It's not in the state yet. Try it. Yeah, that's coming. That's Either. gonna be really interesting to like see how it feels. It's like mm-hmm. you're gonna learn a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, that's gonna be the next. So the next two to three weeks is going to be that me, Ryan, and Giles actually getting to play with it 
ourselves yeah. and go, how does this feel? Um, is it, is it kind of, is it too, uh, too slippery almost? Is it tactile enough? Is it just the right level of, you know, I hit a, I, I click a thing and I get a thing. Is it, is it feel right? You know, I think that's so yeah. important. And um, it might take a little adaptation as well. Mm-hmm. Like it might feel weird first, but then when you've done it for an hour, it's like, Ooh, something, something here. Exactly. Um, which That's, might be what you want. Who knows? Yeah, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna learn a ton, and the fact that that is input. You know, once you take, say that that model that Ryan's building internally and visualize it on that canvas. I think people. I think what Summit is and why it's better in a hundred x way. I think it'll become clear to a lot of people, especially if they can't think of anything that they can do in Excel that they can't do in Summit. You know, yeah. if it's, if we get there, you know, I think it becomes a tool that, um, I had, a someone that teaches an entrepreneurship class on Twitter, uh, uh, Matthew Stotts, he was saying, I bet, but a lot of my business school students at university of California would love this tool as a way to visualize business. You think about that kind of paradigm show that change in, in getting the atomic units right for a business thing, business modeling tool, rather than Excel, we're going to try this tool out. If you can get in with the the MBAs and the finance people at those stages and kind of infect the consulting firms and the you know groups of analysts that they go work with, I think it becomes a very exciting product in the industry. And it's not just about modeling a SaaS forecast at that point. It's <laughs> it's potentially a lot more. It's a it's a spreadsheet rival exactly. Um, so. I actually have to say, I have a, uh, I booked something. I only gave us an hour and a half for this. So perhaps this is a good place to, to leave it. Um, if we may. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a pretty exciting update. I, uh, I mean, I'm excited to share more regular updates again, <laughs> and hopefully get back on the more transparent route. And Yeah. Hopefully we I don't agree. have to catch up for that long next time that we can dive more in. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. And I, you know, and you and I are sort of re-entering, or at least I know I'm re-entering the groove. So it feels yeah, feels good to have this call. <laughs> makes it yeah, makes it a part of it again. Makes it real. So thank you, listeners, awesome. for your patience, and thank you, Peter, for uh, being an awesome co-host. Man, I'm excited about the next season yeah, likewise i'm excited Thanks about season me three take a break <laughs> <laughs> absolutely awesome cool i'll talk to you next week all right and thanks peter we'll be, be back on track wonderful have a Thank good one you. talk to you later bye bye